Your sensors are correct. Do not adjust your heading. Your heading. You've discovered the Omega Particle. Streaming to the Alpha Quadrant and beyond. 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 Here's your host. The anchorman of the Federation. The doctor of Dilithium. This is Jonathan Wiegand. Welcome to the Omega Particle. I'm your gracious and excessively sweaty. Am I hot? Can we say that? Is that? Oh, that's a gross way to open it. Cut it. We'll fix it in post. Anyway, welcome to the program today. Oh my gosh, I'm freaking tired of the heat. I don't know where you guys are at. I'm on the eastern coast of the United States, buried deep down in my secret bunker here. And good God, it is hot and I'm tired of the heat. I mean, it was like real feel like 100, was it 108 the other day, Luna? Yeah, so... I'm tired of it, and I want winter to come back. <laughs> um, yeah, not Star Trek related at all, but man, this has been a barn burner, and I'm not. It's it's one of the beauty things about summer. Sometimes it can just be so hot, and it's just not fun. Not fun at all. But anyway, welcome to the program today. Uh, never fear, guys. The anchor man of the Federation is here with half my brain tied behind my back just to make it fair. And speaking of the heat, boy, we've had hot takes the past couple weeks here in the United States. Um, not really going to go into that here because that's not the purpose of this podcast. No one turns in to uh, hear about uh, any of the <laughs> Supreme Court rulings or anything like that in the United States here. Uh, we're here for Star Trek and a little escapism, and there's nothing in the world wrong with that. Just remember to take care of your mental health. Um, it's important. And um, what is it? My, my wife has been doing this thing. She's like, keep that crown on straight king and we're in our mid-30s and we don't uh we shouldn't be allowed to talk that way <laughs> um, but still it is important to uh make sure you're taking some time for yourselves and whether it's hobbies whether it's uh getting out getting some some uh, sweet vitamin d whatever it is make sure to uh, have some time yourself and uh, self-care wherever you're at whatever you're doing and anyway, well, we're going to get into a little Star Trek news, a little more relaxed fit episodes, uh, releases uh, every now and then, just kind of talk about what's going on, the news and brews. I don't have any brews with me, whether coffee and or uh, alcohol. I have more Gatorade because I'm in the middle of marathon training um, for the Marine Corps Marathon this October. So uh, I just got done with about a six-mile run. So I am, <laughs> uh, remember when I said it was hot? That's why. And so I'm drinking Gatorade. So no brews today unfortunately but still uh that sweet nectar of the god gatorade and it's always by the colors isn't it it's like i want blue i want red i want like the yellow it's never like i'll have the uh glacier blast freeze brain flavor no it's always just the color so i don't know i'm rambling here but that's okay (laughs) um anyway so i will say this i'm going to um save my comments for picard the, the end of picard um, haven't really talked about that yet. And Strange New Worlds, the new show with Captain Pike. Going to talk about that more in the But um, for now, I, I feel like I don't like Strange New Worlds. Can I just come out and say that? I just don't like it. Um, and Picard was kind of meh. Not going to lie. But today we'll be covering all of that and more. Luna, let's light this candle and roll the show. Fun will now commence. So Carl Urban, the dude that plays 
bones on the new on the J.J. Abrams Star Trek. Um, he said that Star Trek Four is kind of just a matter of logistics. So before getting into the shows, a little update on the movies, and I know there's been a debate if we, ever will, if we ever will get movies again, and I think this is a clear sign we will. I mean, in February, J.J. Abrams and Paramount Pictures announced plan to go forward uh, into production with the Star Trek film later this year in 2022, and the, even the cast didn't know this. <laughs> they had to find out through like Instagram and social media. So the cast said they were um, that they're excited about it, but it's still kind of in doubt the timing because. A lot of people have a lot of different projects and things like that. Like, for example, Carl, Carl Urban is on a show called The Boys on Amazon Prime. I've never watched it, but I've heard it's it's absolutely wild. So uh, pretty not something I, I'm, I'm personally into, but teach his own. And um, so they're kind of he's out promoting and even I think he has to film uh, The Boys season four, season five. I don't know what season it's on, but later in 2022. So it's kind of the production is going to probably be in hiatus for the next couple of years. Um, and I think that's fine. Let's rework the script. To be honest, the past three movies really weren't that good. I mean, they were okay, but I mean, it wasn't really anything like earth shattering or groundbreaking or even like, for example, like Star Trek six, like the script really wasn't that complex, but the writing was, Oh my gosh, it was great. And I really feel like if they invest the time into good quality writing and plot development, I think it'll be well worth it because so far I feel like all, all of the Kelvin universe has been kind of a dud. Um, the best thing we've gotten out of that is Chris Hemsworth is Thor. So, but anyway, we'll, we might see that in the future. You never know. Um, maybe, maybe 2023, maybe production to get something in there. But also speaking of news, I've started to incorporate little things in these episodes that, um, could not be full-blown podcast episodes themselves. Normally, like as you know, we like to do episodes on kind of, well, did you know, or the bigger issues or um, kind of themes throughout the Star Trek universe. And sometimes there's just like really fun stories, but they don't warrant an entire episode unto themselves. So I was like, let's start including, because I have a big like notebook full of like ideas and little stories that I was like, this could be an episode. And it's like, some of these just aren't, 20, 30 minutes worthy, but we'll get into it. And, and one of those today, well, is, um, kind of, a uh, speaking of the movies kind of goes back to the movies, especially, um, the 20 to 2020, <laughs> uh, the 2002 Star Trek nemesis movie. If you've never heard of, I, I, I heard of it briefly, kind of in an interview one time I was watching YouTube before I was married and had a, had a child, I could watch Star Trek YouTube videos in my free time. Um, wow. What a, what a time to be alive. <laughs> Just kidding. And so one of this was kind of how this actress revealed that Paramount was threatening to replace her in Nemesis with Jerry Ryan in Seven of Nine. So as you know, like, or you may not know, if you've never seen the 2002 uh, barn burner that is Star Trek Nemesis, and I say that ironically because it's not very good, <laughs> but uh, Kate Mulgrew, who plays Captain Janeway, makes a brief cameo at the very beginning and is Admiral Catherine Janeway. And so I feel like a lot of people do too, that it was just kind of more of a narrative because it's the first movie after Voyager came home and kind of destroyed the Borg network and the Queen and all that. So it was kind of like, okay, this is narrative. Janeway's home, Voyager's home. So that's probably why they're just throwing a bone to the fan base. That's how I took when I first watched Nemesis. But you may not know this is that Paramount actually used this to try to either replace Star Trek Generation mainstay, Marina Sirtis, with Jerry Ryan. 
or force her to take a pay cut. (laughs) So, which is kind of terrible and awful, especially of all the other, I mean, I feel like she's a staple of, um, especially the TNG Enterprise crew. Like you can't be, well, she can take a pay cut because those uniforms are ridiculous that she wears. (laughs) Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, as recalled by Trek movie, who's kind of the source of this, uh, this article is that so the in the 2017 Star Trek Las Vegas event, um, it concluded with a TNG cast reunion. And so one question from a fan, Marina Sirtis got really fired up to talk about and with good reason. Uh, and she never opened up about it publicly. And kudos to the fan who somehow knew this um, that could have it probably wasn't like mainstream knowledge at that point. And the fan asked why they always heard Trek actresses talk about different difficult like contract negotiations, but never heard similar stories from the men. And that's kind of very true. If you recall season two of um, TNG with Gates McFadden and they heard kind of going back and forth with, with the studio it wasn't really it was a little bit more complex than salary negotiations. And I think we have a couple episodes on that in the in the uh OPP uh, library it's it's been something it is kind of a history of they have done this before so Sirtis responded women are paid less than men in Hollywood like everywhere else and then she followed up with the story about the studio trying to replace her so that's how we know that the studio tried to replace her she's blatantly told us um, she said when I was negotiating for Nemesis they literally threatened to fire me and recast Troy well not actually not a recast but they said, we're going to fire you and hire Jerry Ryan. And I said, well, Jerry Ryan won't do it for that money. That is for dang sure. I feel like, I mean, I know Jerry Ryan became super popular and one of the best characters in all of Star Trek um, in Seven of Nine. And that's even before her appearance on Picard, a um, couple seasons of Picard. So I think, I mean, it's smart of the studio to be like, well, we're going to play this hand. And you know what? At least this person's going to take it. She might take it. And she might be arguably more popular than, than you right now. As Trek Movie points out, elements of Maria's story were actually confirmed long before she told it. In 2011, Jerry Ryan says she turned down an offer to appear in Star Trek Nemesis. And then in 2014, Ryan expanded on the story, saying Trek producer Rick Berman was contacted by Paramount Studios, who reportedly insisted on Jerry ryan being cast in nemesis when asked how ryan would fit into the movie paramount responded well we're going to replace one of the characters with seven and we all know that character is deanna troy and the interesting part is if you've ever seen nemesis out of all the four tng movies in which deanna troy appeared nemesis is the one where a character is the most pivotal and so if you don't remember like early in the movie she's Deanna Troy's married to um, Will Riker, and then she's psychically assaulted by uh, Reman Viceroy, and not that Viceroy of the Trade Federation, calm down, and is later able to use this against the villains. Uh, meanwhile, Insurrection, her biggest contribution is a romantic subplot with Riker. In First Contact, she's mostly visibly like getting drunk at that bar with Zephyrin Cochran. And she gives Picard some brief counseling sessions in Generations. So not really these huge monstrous parts before Nemesis. Um, Not only would her bigger part in Nemesis made it much more difficult to replace her with Jerry Ryan 7, but it's not unreasonable to speculate that this may be why 
Maria was asking to be compensated more because she had a bigger part and she deserved more money. And that's wholly true. Like if you have a lot more part and a lot more of the plot rest on you, it makes sense you deserve and ask for more money. So little fun fact. And I think it's funny because so they had to like fight tooth and nail over this uh, part in Nemesis. But Nemesis still turned out to be like one of the worst Star Trek movies of all time. <laughs> and um, it wouldn't have made any sense just to have Troy like completely disappear and just probably be written off with a random line to be like, oh, she's studying languages in Buenos Aires. And just been like, oh, okay. <laughs> Being replaced with Seven, particularly because of Picard's history with the Borg, would have made it any better. I think it would just been really awkward. So I think that project was probably doomed from the start. And this is just like the icing on the cake, to be honest. So, yes, like I said, these are little stories that aren't full episodes, which is a little fun insights. To get another Star Trek news, I've been wanting to talk about this too for a while. And one of the things with OBP and the podcast here, we try not to be overtly political. But I think when I see some stories, I'm like, I, I kind of want to comment on them. So apparently, and this happened a few weeks ago. We're talking like summer 2022, but this happened. And apparently there was a a news reporter from a particular animal news network. (laughs) Um, I don't want to say it, but uh, they called Star Trek woke because they allowed um, Georgia. Well, she she didn't she didn't win, but she was like a Georgia governor candidate, um, Stacey Abrams. She was on like an episode of Discovery as like the president of the Federation. They called this animal news network, I think that's even funny, more of a pun, uh, called Star Trek Woke. And, of course, a DS9 writer responded, and we'll get into that. But if you didn't know, for all the people, or maybe you're new to track and listening to this, and if you are, bravo for getting through this a big episode. <laughs> um, it's that Star Trek has always been political, and it's always been commenting on society as a whole. I mean, they've literally done that from the beginning, like from the original series. When it wasn't called the original series, it was just Star Trek. They've literally been doing this since the 60s. I know today, especially in the United States, and I apologize to all my uh, listeners that aren't within the U.S. And you're like, well, but I mean, there's political turmoil everywhere, I feel like, in every nation, somewhat, some degree. And... The 1960s here in the United States were very a tumultuous, very divided kind of country. And it's kind of the same way it is today. And so we had, especially in the 60s, we had political violence. We had race relations were at a breaking point. Uh, America and Russia were at um, increasingly looking like they were going to kill everybody on the planet in a nuclear confrontation. Um, and then all of a sudden you have Gene Roddenberry in his weirdly dressed vision of the future, say, hey, we can have a better tomorrow and we can hope for a better tomorrow. Do you know what there's going to be? Humanity is going to be based on a philosophy and a culture that will have no place for greed or racism or xenophobia or sexism in any way, shape or form. Um, instead, it's all going to be on cooperation and, and what you provide and, and what value do you bring to the community? And, I mean, the message of Star Trek since then have, has always been clear, <laughs> period. And if you don't believe me, even, even like, he would, Roddenberry would throw, like, random things in there just to mess with people. Like, 
Um, if you ever watch original series episodes, there's sometimes like dudes wearing skirts. And he was just like, yeah. <laughs> and which, if you think about like 60 years ago, was like pretty like ballsy. Is that a, is that bad to say in dudes wearing skirts? But um, it's, it's pretty progressive for, for that long ago, especially the crap that we were dealing with the country in the 60s. He has dudes wearing skirts. So Star Trek has always been progressive. It's always been pushing the envelope. And that's the best sci-fi. And I've said it once, I've said it a billion times on the show, <laughs> that the best sci-fi is one where is a reflection of society or something you can comment on society and it, and it doesn't beat you over the head with it. And it's, oh, and it makes you think. And it, and it kind of opens your mind a little bit. I think that's good sci-fi. Good entertainment. So I'm going to go to that whole speech to say this. But apparently the people of this Animals Nude Network, so uh, Fox and the Hound, a uh, great Disney movie. So it's kind of like that. The Animal News Network. Haven't figured it out yet. This guy who was writing on the website last week for them, um, David Marcus, claimed that Star Trek writers have taken Star Trek Enterprise where it has never gone before. Woke politics. <laughs> In the piece, Marcus highlights former Georgia gubernatorial candidate Stacey Abrams came on Star Trek Discovery and the 2020 Capitol insurrection being featured as part of America's road to civil war in strange new worlds. Marcus calls this pure partisan politics. Abrams, Stacey Abrams, has been a lifelong Star Trek fan. I heard her on a podcast, and it's a, like a Star Trek like sponsored podcast, and she talks like Paul F. Tompkins, and it's amazing like hearing her just like talk about her love of Star Trek and growing up and watching it as a little girl, and it was like, okay, cool, so... I think if it is not like, oh, this gubernatorial Democrat like persons on Star Trek, I think of it as like, oh, this is a lifelong Star Trek fan. <laughs> and, I vi- and I wish we would change our perception sometime to be like, do you know what? This isn't just a Republican or it's just a Democrat. It's like, oh, no, this person's like they have a cool interest. And she seems pretty cool, even though I might not agree 110 percent with everything she says. I-, I think it's cool that she loves Star Trek and I love Star Trek. So that's. Hey, we can be friends. (laughs) And I think we need a little bit more of that in this world. And so apparently after that article was written, um, Deep Space Nine writer Robert Hewitt Wolf wasn't having any of it. (laughs) Writing on Twitter, Wolf made it clear that older Star Trek writers disagreed with the assessment that the Star Trek was any less woke than the current iterations. Um, (laughs) And apparently Marcus um, called this uh, Animal News Network writer a moron. I was like, perfect, wait, great way to start off a conversation. Let's insult the guy. Of, of course, like, wraps up, it's like, hey, Star Trek's always been about politics, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I just think it's funny is that it's kind of cherry-picking ideas, but I don't like when are upset that Star Trek's about politics because it's like, well, that's how it's always been from the very beginning. And you, if you don't like it, that's fine. We have Star Wars. There's a lot of other things. Well, even Star Wars is political. <laughs> um Either way, I thought that was a fun little story because um, it kind of showed, hey, do you know what? You may not disagree with everything a person says. You can view them through another lens outside of politics. And the funny thing is I'll, I'll talk to like my grandparents and stuff and they'll tell me, they're like, do you know what? Growing up, you never talked about politics. <laughs> it was almost taboo. And I was like, that's so crazy now because it's like literally like, it's it's almost like me and my friends talk about politics like on a weekly basis and people at work talk about politics. It's just like it's just definitely changed in the dynamic in our culture. So it's just something that's included. Um, either way, 
not again, I knew I started off being like, hey, like, we don't go too much into politics, but it was too good to pass up, especially a DS9 writer calling somebody a moron because he doesn't understand Star Trek. I was like, okay, this is great. Um, but anyway, all right, that's been the show. Luna, do you like this candle for us? Thank you so much for listening, guys. Oh, it's been so great. Thank you for tuning in and listening. Um, I think we're, yeah, I think it's at 65, maybe 7,000 now. I haven't checked it. Total downloads. So I appreciate it. We're, we're on a rocket to 10,000 downloads. Again, thank you guys so much for your support. You can always reach us on our social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all of that. Um, love to hear from you guys. And we're even thinking about setting up like this thing, like this voicemail. I have some other podcasting friends. And they, they have voicemails where people can, like, call and, like, ask questions and blah, blah, blah. So it's like maybe we'll, we're will we going to look into that little tech, try to bring us into the uh, 2022 here. But uh, we'll see. We'll definitely give you more updates on that in future episodes. And then we also have an episode coming up this week, and it's about more Enterprise drama. So last, uh, last week we talked about Enterprise and, like, why it was canceled and the kind of history behind it and how, like, Paramount was really involved and had its tentacles in it. And now we're going to talk about just the series itself and how wild it was and and how it kind of developed and like the spiral that uh, eventually led to uh, its demise. But it's it's really good. I've really enjoyed it. And um, I can't wait for you guys to listen. And as always, everybody, second star of the right, straight on till morning. <laughs>